American Horror Story Hotel Episode 4, Devil's Night, is over, but we're just getting started here on Pocho Recaps. Woohoo! Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I'm joined here by the weepiest television character not named Hypodermic Sally, Stephen Fishback. It is close. It is a close call. Like, who has more tears than No, it's really not. I mean, if you were talking, like, per moment, per, for, for the one moment you may have had more tears than Hypodermic Sally, but she's always crying. That's got to be a major expense for the show, is just keeping her eyes wet at all, all the time. <laughs> keeping her, her face moist. It, it, it can't be real tears. Like, she, she'd be like a desiccated corpse if she was losing that much body moisture. I don't know. Don't you get the sense that Sarah Paulson is super method? She probably yeah, 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 she is. She is hypothermic Sally. She's probably she's, doing heroin right now. She, she, she's all in on that character. She just yeah. seems like she is her character. She seems very actorly. She just has that air about her. Well, that's what's great about this whole series, an American Horror Story series, is that you have these people like Sarah Paulson or Lily Rob. Uh, Lily Rob? Is it like Broccoli Rob? Or is it like yes. Lily Rob? <laughs> no, I think it's like Broccoli Rob. Okay. Lily Rob, who just, you know, every season they're so completely different and they're so immersed in their characters. Obviously, we'll get to that a little uh, bit later. But I, Josh, I'm really excited that... This is the closest we've been to recording the show to the actual airtime. Oh, we're, like, we're so slow. close. We're becoming more and more like a real podcast. It's not going to happen ever, but like <laughs> I appreciate our effort. I like it. You know, people people aren't here for the punctuality. People are here for the content. We're good. We're going to be all right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really high-level commentary on American Horror Stories yeah. that people are tuning in for. Um, uh, Steven, how are you doing this week? Things are good? You're back from Vegas? You're healthy? I am. I'm healthy. I'm back from Vegas. I have a realistic mic connection. Like, this is, you know, we're stepping it up. Week three. Sound great. Yeah, week three is, is going to be a really good week for us, I think. I think so, too. So we're talking about Devil's Night. As we're recording it, it is Devil's Night. I guess it's Devil's Noon that we're recording this. Oh, yeah. Are you, do you have a big Halloween costume planned? No, I don't. I do. do you have any, any Halloween costume? No, I don't. Do you? No, I, so last year I went as the Joaquin Dead. I, I dressed uh-huh. up as Joaquin Phoenix from her, but like put zombie makeup on. So I oh, I remember that. That was on yeah. social media. I remember that. Yeah, so I was going to do like a sequel and do Joaquin Phoenix from uh, Gladiator and then have like a series of Joaquin Phoenixes from different movies. And then I could be like a zombie horde of the Joaquin Dead. But um, but I, I I post out. Yeah, yeah, you haven't put it together yet. I'm I'm a 36 year old man. I can't I can't. Anymore. I don't have kids. I don't have kids. <laughs> yeah. It'd be good. I could see you giving the thumbs down all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, so we're talking we're talking Devil's Night, the annual Halloween episode for American Horror Story. Uh, as I promised last week, Stephen, I said that I would start getting into Freak Show and I would at least make it to the Halloween episode of Freak Show and mission accomplished. Congratulations! Uh, what what are, like is that the worst reward for any mission you've ever been on? So many regrets. I have so <laughs> I have so many regrets. That show is so bad. Freak Show is really not good. It's not good. It's not good. The first three seasons, you, you watched the first three seasons. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. They're all great. I love all of them. Freak Show is, it's hard to watch. Like, top to bottom, just really not so good. Jessica Lang's character, I, I don't understand what's happening with her. The German accent is really no good. Yeah. Uh, and, and seeing Wes Bentley here as Edward Mordrake. Yeah. With, with, with the Voldemort head on the back of his head was absurd. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. I mean, that head does look like the allegedly real Ed- Edward Mordrake. So, like, uh-huh. it, it looks corny, but it's like, it's like, you know, verisimilitude. It's going for, going for real life. So, Edward Mordrake just looked like a Halloween character? 
It's not clear to me if the real Edward Moore, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, he, he just looks, looked like he had bad, mad prosthetics. That's exactly it, right. Yeah. It looks like Wes Bentley on actual Halloween. Like he's not playing a character. It's, ah, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, and then just a, a freak show spoiler alert. If you, if you plan on watching freak show and you haven't yet, uh, here, here's a major spoiler. They killed Twisty in four episodes? Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. It's like Jeff Farner going down in four episodes. You know, you think he's <laughs> oh, the big villain of the Oh, for people season. who haven't gotten that far on Survivor. Oh, my God. That's not No, everyone. You're, you're, if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten it, you're spoiled. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you think he's going to be the big villain. He right. gets axed. And then, like, who picks up the villain mantle? Right. I mean, Our boy Finn Wittrock. Yeah. Is he a bad actor or is he playing a bad actor? Finn Wittrock? I felt like he really gives in this season like the full broy delivery of all of his lines. Maybe it's just like campy. Maybe he's just having fun with the character. In hotel. In hotel. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I mean he's very different from where he was in, in Freak Show. Freak Show he's just playing this spoiled brat turned killer. Yeah. Uh and and here he seems to I mean, I guess he's playing a spoiled brat with like cooler hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a different spoiled brat. Although both both of his characters have god awful hair. Oh my god, it does not. I really like Dandy. I feel like Dandy was like a style a style icon waiting to happen. You could pull off a good Dandy Halloween costume, the Dandy Dead. Well, should we go? I'll be Dandy, and you will be uh, my mom. Yeah, yeah, I'll be. Uh, what's her name? Ruth Fisher. What, what's the actress's name? Oh my know. god! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Francis Connor. Yeah, that's yes. wealthy. Yeah. Which version of her should I be? As the mom, or should I be the burned up coven version? Or the sexy maid? Yeah. Well, that's going to come easier to me. That's going to be really good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 pivot to to Devil's Night, the Devil's Night Halloween episode. What do you think that this stacks up in terms of horror story Halloween episodes? I mean, for, and I loved the first season Halloween episode. Like that's probably the top. Insane. Yeah, yeah, that's like number one. I thought this was pretty good. I thought this was like right, you know, right up there in second tier. Do you think this is the best of the season so far? I know that we've been a little a little uneven on the season so far. Is this number one? I want to talk through with you before I come to an assessment. Yes. Do you think it's the best? Do you have a verdict already? I don't have a verdict yet. No, uh, I'm I'm trying to gauge you because I know that you've been like uh, like I'm a sourpuss. I'm a sourpuss. <laughs> like, like like the Walking Dead from Gladiator. You're kind of thumbs down. You're veering thumbs down. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to. I, I love this series, you know, and I'm so excited to podcast about it. But like, you know, you gotta, you know, before before Survivor started this this year, Jeff Probst said to me, um, "Fishback." You know, why are you always snarking on Survivor? And I gave him uh-huh. that he obviously wanted. I was like, you know, you're, you're most critical of the things you love the most. And right. he was like, wow, that's so true. You're so right. Um, God. And that's how I feel about this. That's so profound. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to give it. We got to give it the hate that it deserves, and it's because <laughs> right in order to make it better. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I thought I thought it was interesting. I think that you know we we have this Devil's Night Soiree, a fantastic Evan Peters episode, if nothing else. Yeah, this was great. This was. I mean, and there was some great, like uh, you know, great acting, right? Like great acting from Lily Rob. And, yeah, talk uh, talk to me about her because you mentioned her before. Broccoli Rob, you like Eileen Wernos. You think yeah. that this is good, Lily Rob? I thought she really captured the insanity and, and the, you know, the, the writing obviously give, you know, great part for her, just that sort of like level of lunacy of someone who like does not see that they are create, you know, that they, considers themselves a victim, even as they're terrorizing and destroying the people around them. And obviously Eileen Warnos really had a terrible, terrible life, but you know, you see that, um, that, you know, that craziness that's there, that, you know, and Wes Bentley's character, you know, character John Lowe points it out where he's like, you know, 
all of these men that you've attacked, they none of them had any backgrounds of violence or, or any kind of criminal history. And you can see that sort of like insanity in Eileen Warnos's Lily Rob's head, where right. it's like, I I feel victimized and I'm gonna take everything and kill everyone. You know, she has that great line, like if you try to take anything from from Eileen, I'll take everything from you. And just, you know, I think I felt like she really captured that sort of, you know, self justifying lunacy of a serial killer. Yeah, I mean, she has this awesome line, too, where Detective Lowe is trying to be like, these weren't, how do you know that they were bad people? She's like, all I know is who they were then, like, in yes. that moment. That's yep. all I know, and that's all that matters. And that's all it takes? That's terrifying. So, uh, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I'm not I'm not far enough in the Freak Show yet. I'm just four episodes in the Freak Show right now, but I know that she's barely in it. Uh, I think that she just has one episode, and she's uh, playing her Asylum character all over again. I feel like this show needs more Lily Rob. She's so good. It does need more Lily Rob. She's good, and she's always so different. Like, she was, like, the the hippie witch, the hippie Stevie Nicks witch. Yeah, Miss Day. She was, like, the the sexed up but also incredibly innocent nurse possessed by the devil in Asylum. You know, she's really got, like, she goes the, she goes the range. You know, she'll, she'll, bring, she'll bring it no matter what role she's playing. And she has the best cry face of anybody in American Horror Story. Lily Rob crying is the best crying that anybody does on this show. Really? I can't, I can't picture it. Is it she's how does it compare to Claire Dane's cry face? It's not as good. That's, yeah. the, you know, that's really that's the top. It's the gold standard. Yeah, that's, that's, as, that's as high as it gets. But we get a, we get a bunch of serial killers in this episode, uh, as we teased last week. Uh, Seth Gable as Jeffrey Dahmer. We've got Twisty himself yes. playing John Wayne Gacy. John Lynch Carroll as John Wayne Gacy. And him that, even, right? yeah, that was fun. That was a good. That was a good call out. It was, it was weird because he seems so friendly. You know, he's doing like his Fargo character as John Wayne Gacy, and you don't feel like this guy's going to be so bad. That's where they get you. You know, don't know. don't believe it, Josh. This is where yeah. I worry about you. On this, I know. Night. I'm so trusting. I'm too trusting. Yeah. Uh, but we, it's it's this it's this Devil's Night soiree that's going to be all of these serial killers, these notorious serial killers, all of them dead, who are invited over by uh, James March to the Hotel Cortez, and Detective Lowe gets the invite. We talked about this a little last week. Could Detective Lowe be the Ten Commandments? Killer, do you think right. that this lent any credibility to that theory? So the, the key line here, right, is when March says to Lowe, or he says to the other serial killers about Lowe, he's not one of us yet, right, or something like that. He's not right. like he's not become one of us yet. So it suggests that he may not be a serial killer up to this point, but he is on the trajectory to be this, this serial killer. Now, does that mean? Now, it certainly gives some credence to your theory that he he is a Ten Commandments killer. Or that he at least is going to continue, you know, some kind of Ten Commandments killings. Right. Yeah, we we get this line from March when he's kind of sizing John up, and John is wondering why he's here. And March says, I want to help you, John. I've watched you, and it makes me sad. Greatness is about vision, and you have made yourself blind to everything that your eyes can see. And that to me sounds like, is, is he saying that you're doing all of this masterful work? And you're not paying attention to it. You're shutting it out for whatever reason. Oh, that's uh, good. You know what? That's a great call, man. You're so yeah. you're so on this. You're really listen, you really got this. You know this. Listen, you're you're much better at Survivor commentary than I am. I've got I've got this. This is all I've got. This well, is all so I've that's got because I've been on Survivor. So are right. you saying you're a serial killer? Yes. Oh no, shit! I revealed myself. I guess I'm not so good at this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, no. He he has that line, and you know he also has another line later on at the dinner where he's talking about. I look at all of you 
as equals. So why would he be saying that to a room that includes John Lowe if John Lowe, as you said, is either on the path or is already the the serial killer? So I, I mean, feel they definitely like, hinted strongly that John Lowe is, is either you know a, already a serial killer or about to become a serial killer. Yeah, there's a great interview with Wes Bentley up at Vulture right now uh, where he's asked about this. He's asked uh, by I believe it's Jennifer Vineyard who says uh, you probably can't give this away, but some people are theorizing that John Lowe himself is the Ten Commandments killer. Yeah, and Wes Bentley answers by saying, "Hmm." It's kind of like when someone who is married dies, the spouse is the first suspect. You look at who is closest to them, but there's also an element with these deaths. Are these real? Is that even real? Are those real events taking place in his life or a manifestation of the struggles he's having? Is it possible that these things are happening around him or that he's even a part of the investigation? That to me sounds like the answer from a guy who's like totally the serial killer and can't answer that question <laughs> yeah, exactly. in an interview. A complete distraction with like a total non sequitur. Like, oh, yeah. it's just a hallucination. I mean, yeah. I guess it could just be a hallucination. That det- I still stand by the idea that that detective office is not real. That does yeah. not exist. <laughs> yes. Or that okay. police station, you know, whatever it is. So you're so you're backing him up then. You think that he is just seeing things. No, I think you're right. Like it's yeah. clearly like a, a major misdirection from uh, from West Bentley. Yeah, just actors big... should not be allowed to answer questions. No, dating spoilers ever, ever yeah. get the actor. I mean, that would be bad for my line of work, but yeah. probably <laughs> for for the enjoyment of people's television experience, you should probably keep the actors away from from the mic, or just don't go out and read those things. Yeah, yeah. I kind of have no choice. Right. Uh, but what did you think of the of the of the soiree overall? Did you think that this was a good scene? Did you think that this was fun? Um, I, you know, I, I love the soiree. I thought. I mean, well, so here's like the question, right? Like, there's something like very, very legitimately creepy about like you know this the the show opens with Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. You know, a character. I don't know if he's like as internationally nationally known, but like I grew up in Los Angeles, so right. I certainly know who the Night Stalker is. He's part of you know Los Angeles lore. He's like you know our one of one of LA's real homegrown serial killers, yes, or, uh, hometown serial killers. Um, so what's what's his what's his deal for people who don't know who he is? So Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. He was he had this you know terrible abused childhood, as many of these serial killers do. And then he became, he, he kind of like, you know, lost his mind and he became this, this Satanist and he would do these home invasions and just almost like, you know, completely at random, break into people's homes, uh, kill them, steal their valuables, you know, often rape, you know, rape people. Um, pleasant and, stuff. Very Yeah. Pleasant. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, you know, it was just like went home to home and it all happened like very quickly, you know, like every day he was breaking into someone new's home and, and, and killing them, you know, either shooting them or bludgeoning them or, or strangling them. I mean, it was just really horrible stuff. And that is a, I, the episode was a little bit uncomfortable for me because, you know, it opens with him and like, he's kind of being glamorized. Like, look at this like cool, fun guy. Oh yeah. Night stalker. Hey, you know, Elizabeth Taylor greets him enthusiastically. Right. Um, you know, so excited to see you. And then he comes up and like, Oh, there's a gift for you. And then, you know, there's a funny line, like I don't need a key. Right. So then you see him breaking into the window because like that was his MO. Um, and then there is this sleeping couple and he like bludgeons one of them to death. And then he has this line, like swear to Satan that you didn't see anything or whatever it is. And that's actually a line you know, out of the true story of the Night Stalker. You know, he yeah. said to, you know, he made some one of his victims swear something to Satan. Um, and obviously, like, that, you know, like, a lot, there's a lot of true story 
murderers throughout American horror story, right? Like you've got the Axeman was a real character, you know, Madame LaLaurie was a real kid, was a real person. You know, there's just a ton of these like real true stories, but there was something about it that like, really, it was like, ah, like this is, this was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. And there were real victims and like there, these families are still struggling with it. And now it's like, Hey, sexy, cool night stopper. Like, isn't right. that fun? So yeah. I was a little bit like, for me, it was like, I mean, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the fun of American horror story. There's always a boundary pushing moment on right. this show. I think with just about anybody and maybe for a lot of people, it's just like a, uh, in terms of quality boundary pushing, like freak <laughs> yeah. show, thumbs yeah. down, gotta go. Uh, but I think that there, there are often these moments of like, coming, you know, like hitting a little close to home. And it sounds like they hit one for you last night. Right. And I guess, you're, I mean, I guess if you're accusing American Horror Story of bad taste, like you're missing the point, right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like that is what it thrives on is, is yeah. just terrible, terrible taste. But you're absolutely right that they definitely glamorize it because the very next thing that happens is, you know, the Night Stalker chases this woman out into the hallway and March grabs her and it's just like, well, it's great to see you, old chum. And it's just like very quickly we know that the victim is is totally toast, has absolutely no shot. And it's, def- it's definitely unnerving. But, I mean, it's it's the serial killer party. It's their night of the year, I guess. I guess that's, I guess that's right. It is, it is Halloween. And then you jump... To the other end of the spectrum, which is the next scene is John Lowe bonding with the cleaning woman, Hazel Evers, um, over their lost children. So you do right. have then, I mean, you know, the, the counter argument, like here are these people who have been destroyed by the actions of serial killers. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Miss Evers is a ghost at this point. We know that. And she's just getting bombed in the hotel room. I guess ghosts can get drunk, which is nice. That's good. I didn't yeah. know that that was part of the rules here. <laughs> yeah. It makes being a ghost more appealing. Although there's yeah. a lot of cleaning to do. And it seems like she, she's having some real trouble getting yeah. these sheets white. She likes it, though. You know, she likes these glorious stains, as, as she's called them before. Yeah. So she she at least likes her line of work. But we do get kind of a, a human side to her in this episode where she's talking about her kid who was kidnapped. And John doesn't know it at the time, but she's talking about the, the 20s. And this is a true crime story as well. Did you pick up on that? That is, yes. I was clear, like... I didn't get it. I mean, although like a, a lot of these, like you know, it's often the case with the American Horror Story. But then when the the other detective, uh, John's partner, says that, oh yeah, of course, the Wineville Chicken Coop murders was you know, right. eighty five years ago. Like that, then uh, naturally I went and looked it up and was like, oh, that is, that's real. Yeah, so that's all legit. Uh, but what do, you, what do you think is the point of bonding these two characters together? Do you think Miss Evers is like going to have any kind of redemptive story going on here? Is it just to kind of drive the point further for Lowe that something really messed up and weird is happening at this hotel? I mean, it's so, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, it's certainly, you know, she says, Miss Evers says, I've known that we were kindred spirits for a long time, whatever the line is. Um, and it's it does suggest that you know there is there's got that bond has got to develop in some way right right there's got to be some reason that is that those two characters it's interesting that she has decided to become the servant of a serial killer after having been uh, traumatized by one yeah how did how did that leap happen where do where does she where does she go from losing her child to becoming uh march's sidekick and i think timing wise it's pretty quick i i think that the the kid dies in in 25 and i think it's also 1925 when she's working for march so is she already a psychopath when she's grieving her lost child or is that something that pushes over the edge so i feel like there's there's more story there for sure yeah yeah and she just, maybe she just loses her mind or maybe it's the drink you know to your point like yeah. so now she's a now she's a lush and addiction is yeah. a theme of this season 
It it sure is. It sure is. Ghost Lush. I like that. Um, what what else did you make of Devil's Night? What else should we talk about here? And there's so much. Like Chloe Sevigny, Alec, Alex Lowe, uh, reunited with her lost child and does not seem too perturbed by the fact that her lost child is has not aged and is uh, 74 degrees. Yeah, it t- it takes the the kid. It takes Holden killing the family dog for her to realize that something weird has happened. The, Even like, then, she's like, "Oh shit, what have you done?" You know, it's yeah. Like, why did you do that? Yeah, not like, "Oh my god, my child is eating a dog." Like she was like freaked <laughs> out by it, but but uh, right. you know, I think there's when, no right response when your yeah. undead child comes back and eats your dog. There's no right way to say to you know react to that. Well, you should probably sit down and have a talk at yeah. least, right? Like, shouldn't you like scold the kid? I guess there's so. some there's some sort some sort of disciplinary action should be taken. You don't want to start the reunited you know family off on that foot of, of dog killing because that's yeah. just a bad premise. It's a, it's not great. It's not great. But no, she she doesn't she doesn't make anything of the fact that he has an age. Doesn't make anything of the fact that he is super cold. Goes to to make him a drink, and then we see him eating the dog, and he says, "I want to take you to my other mommy." And other mommy is Lady Gaga, and Lady Gaga once again on the recruitment drive, trying to get another vampire in the mix. Uh, Chloe seventy vampire mode. Are we liking this? Is this a good direction? Uh, yeah, I think it's fun. You know, like, <clears throat> you know, the, certainly the beret will seem more in place as a stylish vampire than as just like a <laughs> weird, like as a doctor. You know, it's never quite clear to me why, like, this, this pediatrician has got the beret as the stylist. She likes the head. Sentimental value, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe. Are the berets not in in L.A.? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I, maybe they are. Maybe they are. You know, here in New York, it's, it's scarf season. So it's we're not, scarf season. Um, I think a scarf and beret could work. Well, that's that's very Gallic. That's got a lot of French charm to it, right? Uh, but yeah, you know, like so obviously this character was willing to do anything for her son. So she completely is willing to like block out the fact that he is uh, has not aged, is freezing cold, and is eating a dog, and then even block out the fact that he now sleeps in this uh, coffin. But so she does have one moment, you know, uh, Alex has one moment where she, when, when the Countess first shows up and is like, I, you know, I want to turn you. You can be, if you're my servant forever, you can be with, with your son Holden. And she freaks out and brings out her gun and, you know, really completely rejects it. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, it's like, you know, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. We don't, we don't see where the leap exists. Like we, we see her get knocked out. And then the next time we see her, she's all in on becoming a vampire. Yeah. What, what do you think? What do you, is this like a, is this a, a reasonable, in, given what we know about this character, is that a reasonable leap for her to take? Well, she, she does say at one point, uh, you know, in, in the previous episode that she, she loved her son like, um, you know, like she's never loved anything before. It yeah. was this crazy, it was this crazy love that she felt for him that, uh, could never be topped. And she didn't even know if she loved her husband because that's how much she loved her son. So we know she's deeply, deeply connected. I think that the leap is, is less, um, you know, yeah, that sounds alluring to have eternal life with your kid as vampire mother and vampire son. If that's what you're into, that sounds fun, I guess. Yeah. But for her as, as a, as a doctor who we saw talking, you know, there was this anti-vaxxer thing that was going on with her character in the first couple of episodes. And she is told about vampirism by the countess. Uh, and, and it's explained to her as a virus. It's explained yeah. to her in, in scientific terms. And so she doesn't even take a day or two to be like, right. I think maybe I could look into a vaccine. Yeah, like, she just like takes, research this, you know? Like, yeah, look it up. Yes. Google this. 
Yeah, Google it. At least that sounds obscene, but you should Google it. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like there was there was no from from the scientist point of view. Uh, this feels like a, a letdown in terms of what seemed to be building up with with her character. Now I'm anti anti vaxxer storyline. <laughs> now I'm now I'm upset about. Well, that. I wonder if she turns the the measles kid. You know, we, we saw in the preview for next week that measles kid is pops up again. I wonder if she right. like, saves him by turning him. Right. Well, at this rate, everybody on the show is going to be a vampire. They're uh, really throwing the like. They're really making a lot of people vampires very quickly. It's episode four. Yeah. <laughs> it's episode four, and at least five of the ten series regulars are vampires at this point. It does, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't make if you're Lady Gaga and you make someone a vampire and then they become your, your servant forever. Like I would make everyone a vampire. I want everyone to be my eternal servants. Well, if everyone's a vampire, then who are you drinking? I guess that's right. I guess not every. So you got to you, know, you got to keep like like a quarter of the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got you know she's only got like a handful at this point. Like if you're like the vampire queen, like you want you know a good hundred, two hundred minions. You don't know. I mean, we keep seeing vampires popping up. We've seen her turn to vampires. She already had Donovan. We know that um, yeah. that uh, Angela Bassett's character, Ramona Royale, she's a vampire. She came out of the woodwork. Who knows how many people from the decades that the Countess has lived that she's turned along the way. I would guess a lot because she seems very liberal with like the bloody bosom thing that she does. Yeah, very liberal. It's, it's a good it's a good issue. You know? It's a great process. No, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm into yeah. it. Uh, but Wait, I mean, so you, just, would, you would suck at the vampire team. I've, I already said this last week. Yeah. I said that my wife would be not angry at me and she would probably get in on it. Yeah. How could you not? It's so tempting. It is pretty. It, it, it is a pretty no-lose situation. You know, like, yeah. they, they haven't really, like, shown any negative stakes here, you know, to being a vampire. Well, typically vampires have, there's a lot that goes wrong with it. You know, you can't be, you know, there's no, you can't be exposed to sunlight at all. Right. You know, you, you're, you're tormented by this eternal hunger. You can never like style your hair properly because you don't show up in mirrors. Right. Um, and this, this thing, in this case, everyone has very stylish hair. Very fashionable vampires. The Countess is always looking amazing. Donovan looks great. Finn Wittrock, I guess we take some issue with the hair. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> yeah. what's the ruling? We like this hair. You like Dandy's hair. Better. Well, it's a choice. I'm just saying, Finn, it's, it's, a, it's a conscious choice. And, and what else can you say? Uh yeah, fair enough. I, Alex, I can't. I'm surprised that Alex did never even call John though to say that Holden was back. You know, like they had just had this emotional moment where the daughter, you know, they accuse their daughter of lying. Just text your husband. Hey, guess what? Our son that we've been you know missing for a decade is now back. Yeah. Hey, and also I think he's a vampire. And hey, he's in the creepy hotel that you were living in. And yeah, have you noticed yeah. anything weird going on in your creepy hotel? Is anything is anything amiss? <laughs> stranger like that. Yeah. 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 Probably some cross referencing would have been good on this. I think some headache might be uh, avoidable if they just talked it out. But I mean, she did drop the big D on him, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know yeah. that they're that they're really in in talks these days. I, there's just so much emotion, you know, in, in this relationship. I wish I wish they would have been, they had more have more access to it. So. So, uh, so John, after this, learns about the, the Wineville chicken coop murders, and he maybe starts to get a sense that um, the people who he's interacting with are dead. Is is John Lowe ever going to figure out what's up? <laughs> well, we've established he's not a great cop, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's four episodes into into hotel at this point. Uh, you got to imagine it's going to take him like I don't know. 
six more, six yeah. more before he figures out what's going on. The, I was reading this essay by um, Darren Furnish, who writes for Entertainment Weekly about American sure. Horror Story, where he uh, referred to this character as the McDermott, which is basically kind of like the bland leading man that's like in every character, in every season of American Horror Story, who like has no clue what's happening, is not able to process the fact that all these people around him are complete, you know, are monsters or zombies or ghosts. And he just, you know, and then the, the, the season kind of gets bored with him like a few episodes in. They're like, let's go, all, let's go to the crazies. You know, this, this boring leading man is, is uh, kind of dull. But this is an interesting twist on the McDermott where if he is indeed the serial killer himself, like the bored leading man is just a, a front for the, the, the true crazy underneath. Right. Well, and they've done that before with the McDermott type. I like, I like that also as just a descriptor. I think that's good. But they did that with Zachary Quinto in Asylum. He seemed like the really boring, buttoned up guy, and he turned out to be the crazy of the season. Well, they, they uh, called Evan Peters in that season the McDermott, like the sort of okay, like, boring leading man. Yeah. But, but I hear you. I who, hear ne- you. who never really wavers. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that, you know, with, with Wes Bentley, having just this morning watched him on Freak Show and seeing what a freaking weirdo that guy can be. Yeah. I I mean, Ed- Edward Mordrig is such a strange character. He's kind of the worst, but I kind of loved him. His silly <laughs> accent was so great. And that terrible really- green smoke. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> the smoke was the worst. So silly. Oh, it was, it was so good. I loved it. Uh, but I, I feel like there is so much potential for Wes Bentley to get really weird. And if we are going down the path that he is somehow the Ten Commandments killer, I feel like that's going to get really funky. And I and did you say this last week that maybe he's the addiction demon? What if he's the addiction demon so he is yeah i I did i did suggest that in my own uh, haze of addiction um so then so then are we just gonna get you know wes bentley with like murder dildos strapped to him i mean that sounds like a fun time i guess i I mean it's like sally's relationship to everyone in this is very like confusing to me you know at at some point so like at the end of the episode when you know she is comforting uh, John Lowe, she says, you know, I'm real. You have to trust me. I'm your protector. Right. I'm not going anywhere. And it's like, this seems like the classic misperception that addicts have about their drug, right? Like this is, I trust this, 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 this drug is going to protect me against the world. This is, this is what really all I have is my escape into like this drug. And so I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just like such a confused jumble of ideas right now that I can't really get a, a hold on it. Yeah, so what's going on with Hypodermic Sally? We see her pick up a guy outside of the hotel, which was a great scene because that guy was such a douche nozzle, and you know that he's just going to be brought up to the to the banquet. I, yeah, I almost wanted like to, you know, that guy, that guy deserved to go. Oh, he did. He, I, we can say that. I think on American Horror Story, there are definitely people who just deserve to be turned into serial murder food. Yeah. Uh, I think that guy is on the list. So so Sally, she says something to the effect of, like, this should buy me. I don't remember exactly what she says, but like, a year, this should buy like me. A year yeah, of this should, being left alone or something. So what does that mean? Is, is that a, a year of rent in, in the hotel or something like that? What, what do you think a year alone means? You know, what is she being harassed over? Can, can these ghosts be kicked out? And what happens if you're kicked out? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you're, I mean, yeah, I guess that's what it was. Like, she just doesn't want to, like, deal with, like, all this serial killer nonsense, right? She doesn't want to deal with, like, March's, like, lunacy. And she just wants to, like, exist and, and uh... She kind of has, has her own thing happening. I think that's what's interesting and confusing about this season is that on the other seasons, it really seemed to be, you know, like like blocks of characters, right? Like you had like all of these characters that exist in a world together and they're on one team and then you have maybe some other characters on a different team. But like here, there's like a lot of overlap without necessarily intersection. So you've got Sally who 
wants to be alone from these guys. You've got March and his serial killers. You've got the Countess and like, what's her relationship with them? John right. Lowe also living at this hotel, you know, I was on this totally other quest, but you know, occasionally interacts with them. And then, you know, it, it, there's just like so many different like storylines that are happening in a, in a linked, but not necessarily, I mean, I'm sure they'll be interrelated in some way, but at this point they're not necessarily. Are you sure? No, you know, I'm actually not sure. Yeah, they really could never come together. Ever, ever, yeah. they could, and they could just stop at any moment. You yes. really don't know. I, I think I keep going back to this thing you said in our first podcast about like you, you don't see the bullets coming on this show. It's because like, you have no idea where they're firing, and maybe they'll just decide to stop coming at you with a gun and they'll throw an axe in your face. Yeah, you know, it's, this show is it's very weirdly unpredictable, and that's it's absolutely what makes it great. Although I've been surprised this season that it's like almost more buttoned up than like normal. You know, it's like. Like, no it is a little really shocking thing. You know, like, Chloe Sevigny, like, becoming a vampire is not really shocking in the sense of, like, because it actually makes sense, you know? I mean, it's, it right, makes sense right. for her character. She sees her son, who's her, like, crazy desire, and, like, gives up everything or, or gives anything to be with him. It's not one of these, like, oh, my effing God, like, where did that come from? This is totally lunatic, you know, moments. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about how most of the people on this show are vampires at this point, or ghosts, but it's really vampires or ghosts, and that's kind of your thing. Or serial killer. Yeah. Uh, you could be an alive serial killer. You're either, like, a normal person, a vampire, a ghost, or a serial killer, whereas you have season two, which was anything you could possibly dream up right, in, yeah. in Ryan yeah. Murphy's twisted brain was possible on that show. So it does feel a little restrained by horror story standards. Yeah, it does, even though it is, you have this uh, serial killer's ball. So we have, we've sort of, like, been uh, skirting the big the big moment of the of the episode which was the serial killers uh uh celebration what did you uh what did you think of that i thought it was great i I love seth gable i think he's great i was a big fringe fan i loved him on that show and to see him doing something uh you know less heroic as jeffrey dahmer i thought that was he was very kind of i don't know i thought he was very funny he was like very quietly funny and subtle uh with his like i don't eat salad yeah, was, was, <laughs> was really great i thought i thought it was good i i don't know that i needed to have the zodiac killer there because he just didn't do anything uh, he sort of know. sat there yeah he literally just sat there in like this you know at first i thought oh did they is that gonna be the ten commandments killers there's somebody underneath there and then when they called him zodiac uh, just he didn't do anything he just he literally just sat there but i like the other guys i thought the night stalker i know he creeped you out i thought that was good uh, I liked, uh, I loved Lily Rob. I thought she was great. Yeah. And then when the actual, you know, the hallucination, was it a hallucination type moment? Uh, you know, the big, big meal and murdering the guy and pouring acid into this dude's brain and turning him into a zombie. It was all kinds of effed up. And, you know, that's the centerpiece that you're supposed to get on any episode of Horror Story. Yes, yes. So you're, you're a fan. You like this episode. You thought this I like was it. Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm liking the season. Steven, the more and more you and I talk about stuff, I think you're going to realize I'm really easy to impress. Uh, you know, it, it, it does. It doesn't. It t- doesn't. T- and people who've listened to me on podcasts often do say like, "Oh, Wiggler likes everything." It's yeah. true. I like a lot of stuff. But that's a great way to live. What a wonderful way to live. I'm a pretty happy guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm enjoying it so far. I, I kind of like the you know the shining aspect to it and sort of the seven aspect to it. And I'm liking a lot of the performances. And I think anytime Evan Peters is on screen this season, I'm in my happy place. Oh, and no, this he's was wonderful. A, yeah. and this was a huge 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 episode for him um you know this was really the the james march episode um and i just i thought he was fantastic i think that he's i think that this is his best character that he's ever done on the show what no really yeah i really do. yeah oh I, do. I mean it's certainly not asylum i guess tate was great tate was really tate, great. that's well yeah season one tate he was amazing 
I know, but he's such a terrible dude. He blew my mind that season. Just like all the conflict, the angst, the youthful angst. I mean, that was that was his that was his first. You always you always love your first, but this is so. This is so different. I mean, it's it's so different from anything that he's done. And all of his other characters, there's some sort of through line. They're all very recognizably Evan Peters, even when he's in Frankenstein mode yeah, yeah. In, in season three. I do really love the Frankenstein Evan Peters. I <laughs> yeah, that was that. so great. That <laughs> the fact that he just had no dialogue <laughs> for, for, yeah. <laughs> for nine out of 13 episodes. Yeah. I really did like this. But this is, it's it's such a stretch for him, it feels like, for him to be playing this old-timey guy, uh, you know, really sort of this classic classic 1920s uh leading man type it's 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 a strange look on him and i think that he's wearing it really well and he's obviously having a blast with it uh and it's just really palpable on screen i think i think it's his best work on the show so far as much as i I do love tate tate is tate is a great character and he was you know terrible as the rubber man and the the school shooting is for me still the most horrifying thing that's ever been on the show yeah that's Um, another like insanely intense like realistic moment that's where you know it always gets like gets like yeah anyway yeah i was i was jaw dropped throughout that entire i was also not of a sober mindset as i was watching that the first time and i was really really screwed up by that for a while yeah uh it was really it was really messed up but i i think that what he's doing here is really fun and i like him being built up as the main antagonist of the season and not in a way where tate was really angry and hated being a ghost and just wanted to be loved this guy march doesn't seem to have anything redeemable about him and I really like that out of Evan Peters. I think that he's he's doing a really good job. And he's to your point, very, very charming in that like sort of classic twenties leading man way or forties right. leading man. Like just you know, with his eyes, like he's got that like kind of like lunatic zeal of just a yes. real like visionary, you know, and, and all of that speech, I really enjoyed that all of his speeches about, you know, having to have visions to be a serial killer and like you've gotta like, you know, and then all his little um, you know, his little inspirational messages. Yeah, I love that. It's like his workshop. It's his annual workshop of everyone come here and I'll make you a better killer. Uh, and he, he was saying like, murder is one part perspiration, ten parts preparation. You know, he really did. It was like, he, you could have seen him having like a microphone glued to the side of his head. Yeah. He could yeah. have been doing like the Frank TJ Mackey from Magnolia and just yeah. like speaking to all the killers. I would love to see that. But it was yeah. basically, you know, it was really motivational stuff. He's a good motivational speaker. Now, what did you think of the whole, uh, are, cele- you know, are serial killers really celebrities? And there's kind of this, like, indictment there of our, you know, of, the, of glamorizing serial killers. It seemed like the show was a little bit criticizing culture for glamorizing serial killers, while it itself was also glamorizing serial killers. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that no one's going to say that American Horror Story is like one of the smartest shows on television <laughs> no. or anything like that, I don't think. But it's uh, so pro-vaccine. It is. It's really pro-vaccine. But I think, you know, even using that as an example, the vaccine stuff, I think you do see Ryan Murphy and the people behind the show are often trying to, uh, you know, they're, they're speaking through the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I... And I, and I think that that absolutely is an indictment on our culture. But, but, but Ryan Murphy is, you know, one of the biggest perpetrators of this thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, horror story is so widely adored and just, you know, really, uh, consumed just with, with so much fervor by so many peeps. I don't know. It's mixed messages for me. Oh, I mean, you know, I think more than mixed messages. Like, you know, this, this show, this episode is probably an introduction. Of all of these people to a lot of the audience, and right. you know it does so very lovingly. You know, every single person gets their little. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is like you know, and it's like all sort of like fun and games. I don't think it. You know, it does. It, it doesn't succeed at all as actual cultural criticism. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know about all that, but, uh, I mean, I don't know what it says about me. Maybe I'm just brain dead. Like the guy with the acid. I thought it was fun. I had a good time. No, I love, I thought it was fun. The scene was fun. Like it's, you know, there's definitely something incredibly creepy about these people, you know, as my reaction to that first scene, uh, suggests. And you know, that's, that's where American horror story plays is in our actual, fears right and i guess that's what i liked about it from the beginning was that it really did kind of creep me out and this episode brought me back to that a little bit of like legitimately being illed out by by these people because like there's something that's just so fundamentally terrifying about a serial killer you know it's like there's no reason you know it's like it's like the 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 epitome of that random event that happened that can happen to you you know there's yeah no rhyme or reason to it they're just doing it for out of out of insanity I think that's also interesting in terms of comparing that to the storytelling. You know, the storytelling is of that same kind of random act of violence nature. The way that, you know, plots take their twists and turns where you can't really see it coming. Oh, uh, you know, I think I, the greatest serial killer of all. Right. I think it probably is. Uh, so we've, we've hit most of the major signposts, unless there's anything else uh, that you can think of. But I, what's not working for you yet? Give me, give me a few more examples of things that are just not hitting it for you with hotel, because I'm sure that you're not alone here. I know. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, you're overstating how much I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I, I, I really like it. I've, I'm really I, – I like a lot about it. But you're like middle thumb. You're, you're like you're, you're still walking Phoenix. Yeah. You don't know which way to go yet. I mean, it's hard with the Halloween episode because it's always a little bit, like, outside the normal narrative. So, you know, I'm very curious what happens with all of the different narrative threads that have been set up. But this, the Halloween episode is always kind of, uh, you know, its own standalone little moment. And, it, it, you know, this didn't really – this advanced some of the stories, though. You know, the I'm very curious to see where the Sally um, – you know, the Sally Hello thing goes. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting how – fixated she is on him you know like he right. seems to have no awareness of her and she is really very very protective um of him do you think that's like how does that relate to your theory that, that maybe he that maybe he's a serial killer well i mean we we know that she's you know addiction is a huge theme this season she's yeah. really drawn to addicts we've seen her do that in the past we're questioning whether or not john is an alcoholic you know his wife said that he's not uh he has a drink in this episode to me he does seem like an alcoholic, kind yeah. of, don't you think? Oh, totally. He has one drink, and then suddenly he's shit faced. You know, like off that's the rails. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. that's the the signature sign, right? It's like you, there's no, there's no um, moderation. So maybe maybe she's drawn to him because he's just like this uber alcoholic. Maybe maybe it's that simple, or maybe she's drawn to him because he's uh, he is this monster who's addicted to killing. Is also you know in the realm of possibility. He seems to be a really big deal. Uh, Sally is into him and March is really into him. You know, when Sally helps, uh, when Sally helps low out of the room and, you know, we had seen the banquet there and suddenly it's not there and then low is gone. And now the banquet is back. So, you know, that it was happening and March is staring off at low and he's like, kind of like chomping his teeth. Like, yeah. he's just like so turned on by this guy. Yeah. So clear, unless, unless he's, you know, looking off after Sally, which I don't think is what he's doing. I think that everyone is really, really drawn to low and I don't think it's because he's just this freaking McDermott. You right. know, I don't think it's because he's a McDermott. I think it's because he's potentially a bloody face. I think it's because he's potentially a really, really big deal. 
So I think that I think that that's what's going on with Sally. I think that that's why she's taking such an interest in him. I think that's why like Liz Taylor is taking such an interest in in him as well. Liz Taylor, I'm, I'm not thrilled with this week. Uh, Liz Taylor, I like because I kind of thought that Liz Taylor was the moral compass of the hotel, and Liz Taylor is just serving drinks to to low. This seems like a dick move. So you, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree that she kind of has like, uh, or he, she, she it has sort of like a non-entity role this week. It's hard. It's hard with these. You know, it's always the Halloween episode. It's like it's like you know, other characters sort of get sucked into the kind of central conceit, and it's like the same thing with the whole Edward Mordrake thing. You know, it's just like it, it, how people interacted with Edward Mordrake. You want to give him like a buy. What happens if American Horror Story Hotel? in like three episodes from now reveals that detective John Lowe is Edward Mordred. Best case. What if, he's got like, that is, uh, yeah, he's got yeah, a head he, at the back of yeah. his head. Yeah. Yeah. What if, what if Lowe is like the head on the back of Mordred's head and he just doesn't know it yet. And he's, <laughs> he's working his way toward figuring it out. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of, I mean, that's basically what he is though. Right? Like that's actually right. what we're saying. He is, is that he's like right. a normal guy who's getting like with, who's like sort of sometimes taken over by this like other evil head. I mean, his Voldemort head on the back of his head. In a way, your theory is that John Lowe is Edward Mordrake, this character yeah. who has this like split personality um, and can't really tell which is which. Yeah, I think that that only lends further further credence to it. And I really oh, just man. hope that he's literally Edward Mordred. That's what I want. <laughs> I just want him with the green smoke invading the hotel. I just want them to trash this season as badly as they can. Yeah. It'd be bad. It'd be good. Uh, all right, I think we can start wrapping up here unless there's anything else you got. Who's your favorite, you know, who's your favorite villain from the whole American story uh, pantheon? From everything. Oh yeah. man, that's tough. Um, I mean, I, I love, I love Constance. I love, I love Jessica Lang in that first season so much. I thought that she was, that, that's, that was really the, the breakout of, of horror story for me. Yeah. Um, you know, bloody face, a bloody face is fine, I guess. I love James face. Cromwell in Asylum as the He's, crazy, he was great as the yeah, Nazi the, psychologist yeah. or psychiatrist or whatever. It made me nervous as a Jew. You know, I don't, I don't like it when these, uh, these monster Nazis are on my top. That that scares me as a Jew. Really? Yeah, I have problems with it. It freaks me out a little bit. Oh. Although I did really like the Nazi character on the strain, but we don't really talk about the strain here anymore. <laughs> we, we try we try to avoid that. I did like that James Cromwell part of his character, and it really is only mentioned the one time. But like a big part of his character is that he has a tiny penis. Uh, it, it, it was such a weird driving force in that in yeah. the season. It was like a really like they were supposed to explain so much of who he was. Right. It's mentioned once, but it's clearly a huge part of what that guy has got going on. So, yeah, uh, yeah he, he was good. I thought that he was really good. And uh, I'm, I'm loving Evan Peters this season. He's got potential to be number yeah. one. And I was, I was loving Twisty until they did what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Poor very, Twisty. very sad about that. So Cromwell's your guy. I, I like, you know, I mean, all the Jessica Lange characters are, are wonderful. I mean, like, no one can beat Jessica Lange in season two, like, in my mind. Like, that's the greatest villain slash victim yeah. of, of the whole thing. But, um, yeah. 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 We got, we, got, we got some potentials here. You know, depending on what happens with Lowe, you know, he could be a great uh, uh, villain. Oh, man. Yeah. Give me some low Drake. That's what I want. Low Drake. Yeah. Right. Give me some low Drake. That's All right. Give us some hashtag low Drake. Yeah. That'll be your hashtag. Tweet that to Steven at Steven Fishback. I'm at Round Howard. We'll be back next week talking about episode five of American Horror Story Hotel Room Service. Are you ready for that? 
Oh yeah, I love that's it. That's what service. it's called. It's what are you ordering? I, you know, probably a cheeseburger. What's your, yeah, what's your, what's your room service go to? I like a cheeseburger. Yeah, because it's like you're you're away on vacation. You can allow yourself a little indulgence. You know, like I'll get a cheeseburger. I'm what a pizza you? guy. I'm pizza. a pizza guy. Even even though I know it's going to be awful. Yeah, room service not, pizza. That's a bold move. I'm I'm drawn to I'm drawn to room service pizza. I want to try all the hotel pizzas, and I know that they're almost always going to be terrible. But I have to know. I have to know myself. Have there. <laughs> I have, to, I have to find out. I have to Has there ever been time. a great hotel pizza in your past? Yeah, I forget the name of the hotel. I was in Vancouver one time. I feel like um, I would remember that. You write that down. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was really good. But I've had many more bad hotel pizzas than good ones. Uh, hopefully that this is your best hotel podcast that you guys are listening to this week. We will be back next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.